This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Moran Analytics Podcast, episode number 62. Today is Tuesday, October 16th, 2018. I am Patrick Moran. Coming up on today's show, I am joined by Tampa Bay Buccaneers rookie defensive end, a close family friend of mine, and someone that the Buffalo, New York community knows very well. Damone Harris is going to be my guest today. Damone just suited up for his first NFL regular season game this Sunday for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Big thrill, big moment for him in his life. I'm going to talk to him about that going to talk about how he's come so far from being a kid who never even played high school football until his junior year at Bishop Timon High School in Buffalo to being a walk-on at UB going undrafted this spring, signing with Tampa as an undrafted free agent, making the practice squad, getting elevated this past week, and being active for his first game. And I'll tell you what, like I said, I'm friends with Damone. I've been friends with him for a number of years now. He's best friends with my nephew, so I've had the opportunity to sit there and watch Damone, the progress, watch him grow from a young kid who didn't really have any true football prospects at the time to someone who's literally now an NFL football player. Of course, we both live in Florida, about 40 minutes apart, so I've been able to spend some time with him since he's been down here. We've hung out a few times. He's come to watch my son play high school football a few times. I've had some great conversations with him. I couldn't be more thrilled for the guy. And I know a lot of people back in Buffalo, especially at UB and Timon, they feel the same. So this was a fun opportunity to get to chat with him. And I'm looking forward to bringing that to you in just a minute. Immediately after that, I'm joined by Tone Pucks for our weekly Pat with Pucks. I mean, boy, oh boy, man. Nate Peterman, Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills quarterbacks. Ugh. They had to win that game Sunday. They needed to beat Houston. It was right there. All they had to do was get decent play from the quarterback position. And that's a route. It's an easy victory. Of course, that didn't happen. We're going to talk about that. Sean McDermott, how good this defense is, how bad the special teams are. We're also going to hit on the Sabres. A little bit of baseball talk. And Tone's got a killer puck drop take on MMA. You're not going to want to miss that. So on that note, I'm done babbling here at the top. Here's my interview with Tampa Bay Bucks rookie and Buffalo native, Damone Harris, followed immediately 
by Pat with Pucks. All right, this is a fun interview for me because today my guest is a close family friend who is now also officially an active NFL player. He did it the hard way, going from essentially a non-recruited high school football player to a walk-on in college who went undrafted in the spring but signed with Tampa after the draft. He made the practice squad coming out of camp and last week was promoted to the active roster where he saw his first NFL regular season action Sunday in Atlanta. I'm talking about Tampa Bay Bucks rookie and Buffalo, New York native, Damone Harris. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I know you're doing pretty good. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Listen, we talked, I mean, we talk all the time, but we did a podcast before the draft. Obviously, a lot has changed for you between right. April and now. <laughs> right. So let me ask you this, Damone. During the draft, what was your level of disappointment that you didn't end up getting drafted? When we talked about a week before the draft on air, you were hopeful to get drafted, but you were prepared for all avenues of what would be to come. And obviously you didn't get drafted, but it feels like you didn't even really have a chance to let any kind of sadness or anything like that creep in because literally right after the draft, in fact, during the end of the draft, you started getting phone calls from a couple teams. So you knew that whether you were drafted or not, that you were at least going to get an opportunity. Right. So, I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I was disappointed. I mean, obviously as a competitor, um, you want to go, you think of yourself highly and you want to get drafted. Um, but I mean, for it not to happen, it's not like it spoiled anything for me. Um, I knew I was going to have an opportunity one way or the other. And um, regardless of whether I got drafted or undrafted, you know, I knew I was going to have to take full advantage of the opportunity. Being drafted doesn't mean you're necessarily um, a staple on the team. They cut draft picks all the time. So, sure. I mean, I'm sure draft picks have got cut from other teams. So, um you know, I just wanted to really relish and get that opportunity more than anything. Now, you hear the word perseverance get thrown around all the time, but your story is a legit story of perseverance. You weren't handed anything. You weren't this golden prospect. You didn't even play football until your junior year of high school. You got hurt your senior year. You weren't recruited. You went to UB as a walk-on, not a scholarship athlete. You didn't get any scholarship offers. You literally started at the very bottom and worked your way up. So for that alone, to be where you're at today and where you came from, that is a legit story of perseverance. Right. When you when you bring everything like that up, I, I don't really even, you know, realize uh, the journey that I've been on. But, you know, I just take everything honestly day by day and like a day by day process and just, you know, really um, just focus in on a daily process and not try to look at the big picture because I feel like it'll get lost. Now, what was your reaction near the end of the draft or right after the draft when you get a call from Tampa Bay and you figure out that this is probably going to be where you have your best chance to make an impact and to make a football team? Right. It was just uh, one of excitement, one of excitement. I mean, whether it be Tampa Bay or um, any other one of the 31 other teams, you know, I was just I'm excited to 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 put on an NFL uniform and um, go out and show what I can do, show that I can compete uh, with other guys and, and, and really just prove to myself that I belong there. Now, you had a nice and steady but not spectacular training camp in preseason. On cut-down day, you were waived. 
which sucked, obviously. But soon as you cleared waivers, Tampa right. signed you to the practice squad. Now, I was with right. you that night. You handled that entire process. Very cool, calm, and collective. I think, right. I, was, I, <laughs> I, think I was more of a wreck that entire week than you were. <laughs> what was your mindset yeah. going from, you know, that entire week leading up to cut-down day, getting waived, and then going to the practice squad just 24 hours later? Right. Well, I mean, honestly, I felt like I did all I could in camp and um, going on a preseason and put my best foot forward. You know, I mean, I really just left it in God's hands. I mean, I had I had no control over the situation. All I can really control is my effort and everything. So you know, I just put forth the effort. And I mean, why worry about something when it's out of your out of your hands at that point? So, you know, I just try to enjoy the moment and, you know, just just be grateful for the opportunity in itself, because there's not a lot of people that get that opportunity to begin with. Now, that day that you did get waived initially, you were told on your way out that if you cleared waivers, that Tampa Bay wanted to bring you back to the practice squad. Was it comforting knowing that no matter what, you still had that job? Um, no, nah, I mean, it was it was more um, relieving knowing that I was going to be back in Tampa, you know, because I wanted to be back in Tampa. You know, I love it down here and, you know. Um, the teammates and just learning the defense and everything. I was already familiar with the area versus leaving somewhere else and, you know, having to learn a whole new system. So, you know, it was kind of relieving knowing that I was going to come back here. Okay. Now this past week was a very big week for you, but just like your right. entire football career, it's not something that happened overnight. It was the culmination of a lot of patience, a lot of perseverance right. and a lot of hard work. Tampa made a move. They released an end and they promoted you from the practice squad to the active roster. What was that moment like for you? And what was your reaction as you found out? Oh uh, man, I mean, it was a blessing. My, my agent had called me the, that Tuesday lead up into the Falcons week and, you know, gave me the call and told me they wanted me to bring, bring me up. And I was just super excited, you know, um, you know, tell them thank you. And um, immediately called my mother. She was the first person I told and, you know, she was really excited and happy for me. And, you know, it's just, it's really a blessing. And, you know, like you said, it's not, it's not something that happened overnight. It's more of a culmination of, of a lot of hard days I put into, into this process. And, you know, finally to see something paying off is, you know, is that much more um, relieving because, you know, you're on the right path and um, I want to continue going down that path. Sure. Now on Sunday, obviously you didn't get the result that you wanted. You lost a close right. game to Atlanta. That part sucks. That's always going to suck. So right. that's not my question for you here, though. Here's my question. You played during preseason games. You put on the uniform. You competed. Then you're on the mm -hmm. practice squad. And then you get, you know, and you're practicing every day, but you don't dress for the games. Now you're active for the first time in your career. You're active for a game, an NFL game on Sunday. What was that moment like being in Atlanta on the sidelines Moments before the game, you know, you guys are in warm-ups. You're looking on the other side. You're seeing guys right. like Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, your boy from UB, Stephen Means, you know, that kind of deal, just all those players. Did you take an opportunity to kind of soak it in a little bit? I mean, I'm sure I know you were focused as well, but right. at some point you're looking at the moment, you're looking up at those lights. You're like, holy shit, man, I'm here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I made it. I'm on this field. This is the NFL. It's Sunday. The, the stadium's packed, and I'm part of this. Right. You know, it's a... Um... Very, very, very exhilarating experience, you know, um, not something I take for granted, you know, um, and like you said, something I worked very hard for. Um, it was just, you know, your heart's racing, you know, you just see everything that's going on around you, the fans, you know, the passion, the emotion that 
everyone has for this game and the love for it, you know. And you mentioned guys like Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, obviously those superstars, but seeing a guy that um, came from UB, a familiar face on the other side, and Stephen Means, you know, that was also, um, you know, a good thing to see as well because, you know, he was someone I looked up to uh, coming out of high school. He's a, uh, he just, I just missed him at UB. Um, he went to Grover High School. I went to Timeman. He went to UB. Um, you know, like second career leader in sacks there and, you know, ended up getting drafted by Tampa Bay in the fifth round and now then went to the Eagles, won the Super Bowl, and then um, now he's with the Falcons. But, yeah, like Steve, someone I looked up to and was able to get a jersey swap with him after the game, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a great photo. Saw it on Twitter, really cool photo. Now, I said a lot has changed for you, you know, between the last time we talked on air and now, obviously, being in the NFL's the biggest thing, but also culturally. I mean, when we talked last, you were still living in Buffalo, not knowing where you were going right. to live next. You're in Tampa. Yeah. You've been here for a handful of months now. So you've got mm-hmm. a little bit of the taste of what Florida's like. Are you starting to get used to it? It's obviously is quite the change from Buffalo. And you're going to notice that even more come wintertime. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that that'll be the best time of year being out here for the winter, at least from what I hear. But um you know, it's def- definitely one extreme to the next when you talk about weather. But, you know, just trying to adapt to that environment, you know, I feel like that um, you try to use that to your advantage. Like before in Buffalo, I used the cold to my advantage. You see guys in, in long sleeves when they come up to Buffalo and, and try and play games when I was back in college. And I would never wear sleeves in college. But now down here, you try to use that beast of the heat to your advantage as well, you know, because you're practicing it every day. So. I think that's uh, one thing I take away from from Tampa, especially. Are you enjoying the life in Tampa? Oh, of course. Um, you know, people seem really nice. You know, I mean, I'm mostly at work and you know, working um, in the in the facility most of the day. But you know, from the little bit I was able to explore, I'm liking it pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, man, I love the way that you used the term football. It still is work because it is work to right. you. We talked earlier right. today. I texted you. And I said, you know, about hooking up for tonight. You said, yo, I just got home from work. It's a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a everyone job. realizes it. It is, yeah. it is work. I, I love right. that attitude people, about you. Yeah, people don't realize how many hours we put into it. And, you know, even aside from the hours that were mandated, how many extra hours we put into the game um, to just be great. You know, and then you got the, the, good, the good players that maybe, you know, put X amount of hours and you got great players that put even more hours. So, you know, it's a job. I mean, but it's the best job in the world, nonetheless. So um, I can't complain. I mean, I call it work just because I, I just adapted it from, I mean, my coworkers. Hey, that's what we all call it. We just call it work because it's our jobs, you know? Yeah, sure. Are there one or two guys on the team that have kind of taken you under their wing, maybe a little more than most, you know, guys that you've really connected with early on from the start of your Tampa career? Right. Um, I would honestly say one of the, the, the older guys that I, you know, kind of took me under his wing a little bit would be, be Gerald McCoy, you know. Me and Gerald have a really good relationship, you know. Um, it stems from our relationship and, and our, our faith in, in Jesus, you know. But, you know, other, besides that, you know, just he's you know, all-around pro. Like, he just takes care of his business, handle his, handle, handles his business well, you know, and someone I try to you try to model yourself after for sure. Sure. Now, you're an NFL football player, but I know – that you still keep up with your UB Bulls, obviously. Dude, they're of good, course. man. They're good. Yeah, really good. Really good this year. They waited till I left to start winning. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got to tell you this, too. 
Somebody from Bishop Timon High School reached out to me on Twitter, found out that you're going to be on my podcast on Tuesday here. Yeah. So they wanted me to ask you a question, okay? So I'm going to ask this. They said this. Damone, this is pretty cool. They say, Damone, you still keep the Timon Tigers in your Twitter bio when most pro athletes don't add their high school. What is it about Timon that keeps the place so special to you after all these years? Man, time and man, it's a, a lot of great memories. It, it was just a time in my life where, you know, it, it just reminds me of that grind. Like, people don't realize I used to take three buses every day, every morning, get up to to, to get the time and from the east side of Buffalo and um, just for an opportunity to go to school and, and get out of the bad area where I was in Buffalo, and, you know, go to a good school where they, there's probably only 300 plus kids that went to the whole high school and I graduated in the class with probably only. 40 or 60 guys, you know, so it's all, it's a small knit community. You know, I really enjoyed my time at time and, you know, the brotherhood, um, playing, being an athlete there, going to basketball games, uh, playing in football games. You know, I just love, it's like truly the fighting Irish, a little, the small fighting Irish. So, you know, I just love everything about time and I'll continue to, you know, to support them and, you know, um, put on for time and as long as I can. Now, we've hooked up a few times for some high school football down here in Florida since you've been down here. You've watched yep. my son play when he was still down on JV before getting called up to varsity. And you've been in yep. the stands for some true Friday night lights during a varsity home game. Tell the fans yep. who don't live in Florida or say maybe Texas, how next level Friday night lights is down here in Florida with high school football. Yeah, yeah, man. You said, like you said, it's next level. They, they take, uh, High school football down south, a whole different, in a whole different level um, than up north. You know, you know, um, you know, high school athletes down south they have spring ball. We up north they don't. So, you know, I think it was it was truly a, a great experience to see uh, high school athletes perform. Yeah, you know, you know, on on Friday night and you know have fun and made me real nostalgic about the game when I was younger. I'm with Tampa Bay Buccaneers rookie defensive end Demone Harris. Damone, one more question, and then I'm going to let you go. I know you got a lot going on. Me and you have had many conversations. You've read the newspapers. You've talked to other people. You know what's going on down here in Bradenton, Florida. There's a high school kid down here at Braden River High School, Knowledge McDaniel, who, and for anyone listening, I would encourage you to go back a couple of episodes ago. I have a specific podcast called The Knowledge McDaniel Story. Go listen to that, and you'll get some perspective of what I'm talking about here. But long story short, this kid came from a broken home, has suffered from poverty, has lived with his grandmother. His grandmother was kind of in financial ruin, couldn't really provide the kid the necessities that he needs to be successful. Very talented kid, a D1 recruit who's literally spent his entire career at the same school. He's not a transfer. He's not a recruit from another school. Anyway, he went to live with a teammate, and their family, and because he did that, the FHSAA ruled that he received impermissible benefits, and they penalized the kid, an innocent kid who didn't do anything wrong. Initially, he was um, ineligible for the entire season. Then they were going to let him play a couple meaningless non-conference games, and finally they agreed to let him play during the regular season, but still no playoffs. Again, Timon, you know the story. You talked to a lot of people about it. You've talked to a lot of your teammates about it. You tweeted about it. Gerald McCoy tweeted about it. Now, I don't want to try to say 
that you've lived that life like like Knowledge McDaniel or that you've been able to, you know, walk in his shoes. But you've been around, man. You've had a lot of teammates, high school, college, and other pros who needed, you know, these guys needed that help from a family, food, a bed to sleep in, stuff like that. To get through, they wouldn't be where they're at today. How do you feel when you hear about a story like that and a kid being punished? I mean, honestly, it makes me, I mean, the fact that he was penalized makes me sick to my stomach, you know, because um, I can, you know, relate to situations and dividends, you know, um, coming up the way I did in the poverty situation. You know, um, I know without people helping me um, just with little things, you know, or, or it may have been a big thing um, without the help of others. I know I wouldn't be where I am today, you know, just, just guidance and, and, you know, things like that. But, you know, um, it's a, it's a sticky situation. You know, I hope the best for the kid and I hope they really uh, make the right decision, you know, and, and, and change, change their minds because, you know, without football, a lot of these kids that are in that situation, they don't have anything else to look to. So, you know, it's football is a way out for them, you know, and I know football athletics period was a way out for me. And um, I know I cherish that and I don't take it for granted. So sure, um, hopefully they get that opportunity. Yeah. And you know what? Just imagine being back at Bishop time in high school and then imagine right. something so stupid that made it so that you couldn't play with your friends in the playoffs. Just imagine, don't you feel like right. someone like you is a perfect example, you know, you went to college for five years. Now you're in the NFL. I'll bet mm-hmm. you that even if you play in the NFL for a dozen years, I'd be willing to bet that you're going to look back at your time at Bishop time in high school, and you're going to look right. at it fondly. Now, re- just imagine if you had played the regular season, but they said that you had an impermissible benefit, meaning some family helped you with food and a place to sleep and stuff right. like that, and you couldn't play in the playoffs with all your teammates. Don't you think that would leave a bad taste in your mouth forever? Right. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, being in the NFL is great. You know, even playing college football at the highest level is great. But, you know, you never forget your time in high school and um, especially being at Bishop time and, you know, unforgettable memories there with the people that I was able to share them with. So you'll never forget those times. And, you know, for something like that to happen and really take away from those moments is something that, you know, as a kid, you'll never get back and something that no amount of money, no amount of anything can really supplement that. So it's, it's nothing you can really do to try and, you know, supplement that, those memories. All right, everyone, Damone Harris, follow him on Twitter at Damone Harris. Now an active player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dude, I'm so happy for you. I know Buffalo's behind you. UB, the community's behind you. Bishop Timon guys are all behind you. Everyone's happy for you, man. Best of luck. Continued success. Keep grinding. Thank you. Pat with Pucks. Are you a big man? Pop! I'm talking to you. What? You wake up in the morning, you say, I put on my big boy pants. Look, I'm wearing a belt. I got big boy pants on. (laughs) Oh my God, that is funny! Okay, do not worry. All of your questions are about to be answered. Cell phones and pagers off, please. All right, time for some Pat with Pucks. I'm here with my guy, Tone Pucks. Dude, (laughs) are you in a better mood today? We're taping this on Monday. 
obviously 24 hours or so after the game, not quite 24 hours. You were, bro, you were vintage telling pucks on Twitter Sunday during the Bills game. You were firing off haymakers at Nathaniel Peterman, at Joshua Allen, at Sean McDermott, pretty much everyone and anyone. That's the tone pucks that I've known for 30 plus years. That crazy hothead. (laughs) Now it's been a day later. Have you calmed down? What's your mood in like today as we're taping this on a Monday? It's better. It's better. I mean, if there's, if there's one thing that, uh, uh, that age and uh, a, a little bit of a uh, more sober lifestyle has has brought me. It's uh, shorter fits of of rage, uh, you know, for for the Bills. I, don't get me wrong, you know, I still I still find my vintage pucks ways, but they they just don't last as long. So you know, I was probably okay. Oh man, probably seven eight o'clock last night. You know, I I got back into a into a decent place, which is good because I I had to I had to explain a little bit of the history of vintage tone pucks and just how far I've come to be <laughs> still somewhat new to, uh, you know, football tone pucks girlfriends. So, um, <laughs> you know, that, that took some, some, some splaining last night. So, uh, thankfully, you know, cooler heads were able to prevail as I, you know, well, good on you for having a cooler head, but I I'm selfishly, I kind of like the fits of rage are fun. I want to, sure. I'm going to run a couple stats by you, okay? And I got to credit Sal Capaccio from WGR. I, I got this from a tweet of his. And we'll circle back to talking about the defense in a few. But for those out there listening, if you want to know how great the Bills' defense was in Houston on Sunday, they recorded seven sacks, three forced fumbles, two INTs, 11 tackles for a loss. They gave up just 216 total yards. They only gave up 3.8 yards per play. Houston went just 3-13 and on third downs. And of the 13 points that the offense for Houston scored, 10 of those came on drives that started inside their own 30. Now, if you had told me six weeks ago that I'd be pissed off the day following a Bills game that they failed to go to 3-3 three and three on the season, I probably would have said that you're high and that you're crazy. We did our season predictions, what, six weeks ago? I had this team at one and five right now at this point. But given how great this defense has played this season, for the most part, a couple hiccups along the way, but overall, this defense has been great. So having said that, I don't think it's a stretch at all to say that this team should be 500 right now with a golden chance to get above that next week with a very winnable game against a one in five Indianapolis Colts. What's your take on that, given how good the defense is? Are you kind of pissed off right now that, you know, maybe this was supposed to be a rebuilding season? Clearly it is. But still, at the end of the day, this team should be 3-3 three and three right now. Does that piss you off thinking about it? Yeah, dude, more than anything uh, anything else about today. I, I, I mean, we haven't really spoken much since the end of the game. Um, I mean, you know, you hit me up with a couple messages about when we would connect to do this. But um, other than that, you know, I, I mean, I kind of, I went into hiding and we didn't really talk much at all. Your uh, opinions that you just expressed right there, 
are exactly the same ones. That, and I rarely write shit down. Okay. You know, my, my show prep does not involve much writing down of shit. Um, but I do, I I've got a half a piece of paper in front of me right now with those exact sentiments. Um, and I do have a puck drop for later, you know, but, but my most passionate opinion today is definitely a, a piggybacking of what, you know, what you just said and the reason that vintage pucks came out yesterday, you know, just against everybody, uh, you know, throwing, throwing shade at, you know, quarterbacks, coaches, you know, whomever is that exact fact that we were okay. Five minutes away, not only take away, you know, all of the stats for the defense, you know, for the season, let's just look at yesterday. We were five minutes away from being three and three and having, you know, uh, at least a glimmer of a football season in front of us. And not only that, all right, but we were five minutes away and in exactly the sort of position you would want to be in, in terms of, you know, the defense being on the field, Houston being backed up to the shadow of their own end zone. I mean, I, I don't get too much into win probabilities, but when you, you know, when Houston started that drive, all right, when Joey Baroquez, you know, pinned him down around the six or seven, and he had a good day, by the way, although he could speed up that block punt a little bit. But that was a great kick, all right, to, uh, you know, to pin them. And we had everything you could want, all right? I mean, everything you could want uh, to get to three and three. And we botched that opportunity. And it pisses me off, okay, that we have made today as a, um, you know, as, as a fan base and within the media and, and the shows and the opinions, you know, we are making today about Nate Peterman. All right. Which I understand. I'm not going to back him. I'm not going to support him, but I, I don't know how much I, I, of the story he should be today, but we're making today about Peterman and how Allen looked when he was in there. Nobody's paying attention to the fact that you know, we gave a game away offensively and defensively. I'm sorry, but, you know, as great as the defense was, boy, I could have I could have used something there in the last five minutes, even though they stood their ground on the first and goal from the one. You know, we just we just gave away a chance to have a, a little bit of hope for the season. And what pisses me off about it, dude, is we have become so conditioned to look to the future, whether it's the tank or the drafting of a quarterback uh, you know, that, that has to go through his growing pains, whatever. We are so conditioned as a fan base, all right, to not pay any attention to the moment that we're in, that we're talking about Josh Allen today and not the fact that we could have gone three and three. We don't even think about that as a fan base. We're, we're not even looking at that anymore. That fucking tank made us some of the dumbest fans I've ever seen. We're, we're still talking about what, what it's going to be in two years from now, three years from now, even though it's been five years for the Sabres. All right. That's still what we're talking about today. Not the fact that we had three and three with a shitty indie team staring us in the face and a relatively easy back half of the schedule. Now we're not looking at 2018. We're talking about anything, but that's kind of stupid. If you ask me, it's frustrating. Those are really strong points, dude. And I agree with just about everything you said, with the exception of one thing, I don't think the Bills defense should have even been put in a position where they had to make that stand to win the game. The game should have been over a long time ago. If the offense was even adequate, forget good. If they were just adequate, 
This is a two-score game in the fourth quarter, and the pressure's off. So I don't put any of this on the Bills defense at all. And I don't really think that you are, too. I think you're just speaking in generality and being frustrated at the fact they're not 3-3. Three and three. I agree with that. I Listen, I don't want to talk much about Nate Peterman, but how you how can you not? It's unavoidable. It's got to be the end of the road for him in Buffalo. There's no coming back from this. Can't have any more second chances. Sean McDermott, you can't waste any more time or any more resources trying to develop this guy into a legitimate backup quarterback. He is who he is, and I don't care whether it's Houston or any other time in the future. If you trot this guy out there again, you cannot expect a different result. We've seen zero evidence to show that the result's going to be different when it comes to Nate Peterman. I know that the coach has a soft spot for him, but this has got to be the end of the road for him, right? Yeah, I mean, you would think. Um, it's 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 pretty fucked up on the Bills' part, which is partly why I think it, it, it may go a, a, a different direction. You know, but they just kept throwing a kid in there who who wasn't ready. We talk about this time and time again, shit with uh, with with Peterman. I mean, what's he played, man? You know, three halves of football versus Josh Allen's however many. I mean, he, he's just he's as green as the guy that you were pinning all our hopes on. He's just not making smart decisions with the football. And the flip side of that is, you know, the kid just isn't making any decisions with the football. So, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But, yes, at, at this point, you know, after it becoming a national uh, punchline um, or continuing, you know, the the legend of, of, of uh, being a national punchline because it happened, you know, after the Baltimore game and now it's just piling on. Um, you do have to wonder if if he could ever go back to him or, or anything like that. I I think it could be a scenario where he gets cut and brought back to the practice squad. You know, I see that throw to Zay Jones. Yes, it, that throw to Zay Jones for the touchdown was a better throw than Josh Allen's made so far. All right, I haven't seen a throw that good from Josh Allen, but I, I can't deny the the picks. I can't uh, I can't back this guy anymore. I, I just think the Bills fucking just did him filthy. You know, and it, and it started last year and it's and it's just been compounded this year and uh you know. Well, you know it. <laughs> The thing about Peterman is that he does make good decisions and good smart football throws for periods of time. His problem is, and you know, in a lot of ways he reminds me of a baseball pitcher. He could paint the corners for a while and look really good. But when he doesn't have it, every time he makes a mistake, bam, the ball's out of the park. You know, he'll groove a fastball. And it's just his mistakes are costly. They're game-changing or game-ending mistakes. And that's a pattern that's reared his ugly head literally every single time the guy's had a chance. I agree with you, by the way. I think the move, depending on the severity of Josh Allen's injury, which again, we're taping this on Monday. At the time of the taping, we don't know how significant the injury is going to be. But if it's not a significant injury, I very much could see the Bills cutting Peterman and bringing him back and putting him on the practice squad, maybe at least for now. I mean, dude, let's keep this shit real here. Is there anyone of these 31 other teams in the NFL 
that are going to put a claim in for Nate Peterman? Yeah, no, that's the <laughs> that's the beauty of it. Now, I mean, someone may have still uh, felt like uh, you know they could do something with him, but but now he's like you know a three time. Now he's like a three time punchline. So now he probably does get by waivers and uh, and can get to the practice squad, but. Yeah, I, I, you know, I can't support the guy. I one of my one of my saucier tweets yesterday was was a reference to other suckers out there, other ways of being a sucker that I won't uh, that I that I won't go there on on the podcast. But um, you're just a fool to continue supporting the guy. But I'm I'm really uh, disappointed that it didn't go that way. Cause I was psyched for him, man. I wanted that one more shot. I know how I think Sean McDermott must feel because I bet you McDermott wanted that one more shot for him as sure. well. And it looked like he was going to take it with the Zay Jones throw. And you know, uh, he, he made some plays. He had one more drive in between the Zay Jones throw and the, uh, uh, you know, the debacle at the end, he had one more drive in between where he picked a first down up like two times and both times, you know, we ended up going backwards because of uh, pre-snap penalties. So, you know, he, he was, you know, he was acquitting himself pretty well with the lead, you know, t- to get the lead and then with the lead on a couple of drives. Uh, and then, you know, he just, he just, he you know, unraveled. Out. He yeah, un- he unraveled. That's his problem. But boy, isn't there a part of you? Isn't there a part of you that wonders what Benjamin's role was on on that last drive, man? When the first pass sailed to the outside of him because he cut inside, and the next pass he just you know was was the pick six. I mean, there's yeah. yeah I mean, you probably got to be a Peterman guy to to look at Benjamin and and wonder what his role was in that. And I'm, There's you know, a lot I'm of criticism a out there about Benjamin today, too. Running lazy patterns. That pick six didn't look like he uh, really planted his foot and tried to make, you know, a sudden stop. It was almost like he kind of telegraphed it, which helped Joseph, you know, make that break on the ball because it wasn't a very good run pattern. Still doesn't excuse an awful throwing decision by any means. Nope. But it, to say Calvin Benjamin might have had no part in that, yeah, that's, that's being a... Uh, that's just someone looking to hate on Nate Peterman and making him 100% the scapegoat for absolutely everything. I don't think that's the case. I think what Peterman, at the end of the day, once it starts unraveling for him, he just can't stop. You know what? We spend a lot of time talking about Nate Peterman. He's not the, he never was going to be the future of this franchise. At best, he was the presence. I am concerned about Josh Allen right now, and I'm starting to rethink my stance. I have felt all along that, hey, get the kid out there, get as much experience as he can now, let him uh, go through the growing pains, but I'm starting to think that it might have a detrimental effect on him for the long term. He didn't play well again. He completed 10 passes for only 84 yards. His footwork looks like shit. He's inaccurate. He looks like a deer caught in headlights when it comes to identifying pressure, and make it on the fly adjustments. He just doesn't get it. He's not, it doesn't seem to me like he's processing things quickly at all out there. And his legs right now are saving him, which is another thing. This guy's taking some fucking hits, man. And I don't care how big and strong he is. If he's going to run the ball 70 times up the middle, scramble from pressure, he's not going to be long for this league. No, although uh, ironically, it wasn't a run that, uh, you know, that put him out of yesterday's right. game. And I'm not even sure that it was a, uh, 
uh, a legal hit that did it. But um, I'm with you uh, on on where he stands right now. I'm probably even beyond that with with you know my confidence level in him. I think he looks like absolute shit. I think he looks like uh, the quarterback that everybody warned us he would look like. You know, he had the Minnesota game, which gave everyone a moment of pause. And, you know, maybe all the naysayers were wrong. They weren't. Um, you know, even even his supporters would say that he needed more polish and, you know, just more schooling at the position, uh, as certainly at the pro level, to be ready to, to be rolled out there. And we have a a very, very strong presence in the local media that just totally goes against that theory. And, you know, and, and they get the fans riled up and, and all of a sudden it's, well, what do you mean, you know, putting them out there does more harm than good? That's impossible. You know, I mean, seriously, man, your two primary shows on GR, all right, talks that talk all the way through. Mike Schoep's a big believer in it. Jeremy White's a big believer in it. You got to play to get experience. Although, you know, it, it just continuing to beat that drum totally in the face of the complete opposite thing happening in Kansas City. You know, they didn't want to play him. It's the reason they want McCarron. The big mistake was believing that Peterman, you know, beat out McCarron and, and you didn't need that, uh, uh, that fallback anymore. Bean got greedy, wanted the five, saw that fives can matter with a guy like Matt Milano. And shit, I loved it when he did it. Who didn't like getting a five for McCarron? But he left his cupboard bare and he left his he left his franchise in disarray at the most important position because he got greedy. And he's paid not to do that. <laughs> he's he's paid not to do that. And Alan, look, uh, what I, we'll talk more about Alan. I don't see shit. All right. I just I don't I don't see anything right now that has me excited. I believe that, you know, the hope right now is that Allen just becomes a decent NFL quarterback who can give you flashes and you ride the defense because you've left yourself in a position to to keep them around. You 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 know, you can pay Matt Milano, Tredavious White. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, you, you can pay all these guys, be, you know, while your offense is on uh, is on rookie deals. And, um, you know, let, let's see if, if you can win with D and adequate quarterbacking, because our model is not going to be what Kansas City's doing right now or even the Rams, for that matter. This this kid is not Mahomes, Goff or, or any of those things. Let me ask you this. I think that we both agree that if Josh Allen cannot play Sunday against Indianapolis, I think that they'll get Derek Anderson up to speed and trot him out there because I don't think he's going to go to Nate Peterman. I don't think Peterman's going to play another staff for the Bills unless injuries dictate it and they have no other choice. But let me ask you this. Let's just say that Josh Allen's injury is not significant. Again, we're taping this Monday, so we don't know yet. If that's the case, is this an opportunity for the Bills to go back to the philosophy of sitting him and having him learn and letting Derek Anderson go out there and kind of mentor him and, you know, watch him learn from his mistakes, so to speak, because, listen, we all know Derek Anderson is not going to go out there and light the world on fire. 
But this is an opportunity for them to go back to what originally we thought they were going to do. Do you think that Sean McDermott will put Josh Allen back out there as soon as he's physically ready? Or do you think that this is the opportunity to bring Josh Allen back to the sidelines and have him be a student while Derek Anderson goes out there and takes the snaps for the next, I don't know, at least a handful of weeks. I, I you know what? I feel like I, I can offer some true inside information to the Moranalytics podcast right now that everyone in the area, all right, could use, you know, to uh, to report on. You ready? Yeah, go ahead. What's this? I promise you what Sean McDermott is going to do is not fucking tell you shit <laughs> until Saturday or Sunday. And I'm serious. All right. He is not going to tell you unless that injury is a slam dunk two to four weaker. Okay. Unless it's, it's, it's something more than a bruise where, you know, whether it's the, the, you know, the results of an MRI or whatever it is. Okay. Because you've got to be in, in a certain uh, accordance uh, with with NFL rules, unless it's some sort of two to four, okay, and a week to week or, or more sort of thing, you ain't getting shit from Sean McDermott at the quarterback position leading up to this indie game. There are so many moving parts right now. You got Allen's injury. You got the faith or lack thereof in Peterman, the newness of Anderson to the system. And oh, by the way, You've got an absolute humiliation waiting to happen in two weeks on Monday night in front of your home crowd. All right. Sean McDermott ain't giving you shit this week, and he probably ain't giving you shit next week. Listen, I know Sean McDermott took the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs in his first year ever as a head coach, and that soon will not be forgotten, nor should it. But I'll tell you what, man. This guy is making some very questionable decisions that deserve a lot of criticism in my book. Calling that timeout to punt with, I don't know, what was it, five, six minutes left or something like that. After you got Houston to take a timeout, take the five yards, and if you're going to punt, do that. Don't waste a timeout. If Peterman doesn't throw that pick six, that timeout could have been valuable at the end of the game. You might not have thought at the time, but turns out that it absolutely would have been. You have situations like that. Some other questionable decisions, at least as far as I'm concerned, his blind faith for whatever reason in Nate Peterman, dating back to last year when he benched Tyrod Taylor when the Bills were in a playoff position at the time, you know, getting rid of McCarron. I don't know if that's his call or being, but I'm sure he had something to do with it. Going with Peterman to start the season, concluding that he beat out McCarron and Josh Allen, just a lot of stuff like that. It makes me wonder, are you starting to be a little bit concerned that maybe this guy's calling is more as a defensive coordinator, like someone like Jim Schwartz, who excelled at defensive coordinator, but wasn't a great head coach. Are you starting to have that concern when it comes to Sean McDermott? I mean, I've got my issues with Sean McDermott uh, this year. All right. The honeymoon is definitely over. But unlike a lot of people, game management isn't one of my issues. It's just not. Here's my and I know I'm in the minority, certainly on yesterday, but here's my opinion of, of that timeout. There was no reason to believe, and I give you credit, man. I, I was going to rip into you, all right, jokingly or whatever, on Twitter when you said, I guarantee that timeout comes back to bite him. I thought it was a terrible take by you, all right? It ended up being totally correct. But I didn't think 
that there was any reason to believe that a game that had gone, had played out to the script that it had played out up until that point, with the Bills in the lead, okay, and punting the ball over to Houston with less than five minutes left, I did not see any scenario under which the Bills needed to worry about their timeouts in that game. All right. That thing was coming down to whether or not your defense could get the stop when Houston, um, you know, had had the length of the field to drive. Everything, everything that, you know, the way that game was going was just all about that drive. It was about the upcoming drive of the Texans and your timeouts just really you know, did not come into play when I was thinking about, um, you know, what was uh, what was left to come in that game. And um, the game went against that script. And, you know, whether or not he really ended up needing him, that's debatable. Um, but I didn't have a problem when he did it, man, because I thought that game was going to be decided on the drive that was uh, that was forthcoming. And Houston, you know, didn't need to use shit for their timeouts. I mean, it, you know, it, it felt like the sort of drive that was going to come right down to, you know, a, a Bills win or or overtime, you know, and it ended up uh, it ended up becoming a drive that uh, that left time on the clock and the Bills with one less timeout. But it didn't matter, you know. It's not the it's not the lack of the timeout that um, that cost the Bills the game. It could have. It could have mattered. It, it, it very well might have mattered. I just don't understand why you call a timeout after you got Houston to waste one only to punt. Just take the fucking five-yard penalty. But <laughs> let's, let's leave that there, okay? Because I do want to get to a couple other things. Which kind of, I mean, we're talking about punting here. So I do want to talk about special teams for a minute. This team is very lucky right now. Or some of those guys, I should say, are extremely lucky right now that we're talking about Nate Peterman and Josh Allen and the complete ineptness of the quarterback position on this team and wide receivers in the offensive line such because the special teams was freaking trash yesterday. And that had a lot to do with the reason why we're having this tone of conversation today. I mean, you had two Ray Ray McLeod fumbles included one. He lost Lorenzo Alexander, as well as he played, he got absolutely trucked and run over on that play that led to a block punt. Um, special teams was responsible, directly responsible for 10 of Houston's points. I saw a stat on Twitter. I think it was Mike Rodek who had it. The special, and I don't know what the formula is, but the special teams efficiency rating that the Bills have right now is currently the lowest since it's become a stat 12 years ago. And then here's another thing too. After that pick six, we still had a chance to score. Taiwan Jones fucking drops the kickoff, has to pick it up, has no momentum with the ball, and he gets tackled to what, the 10, 12-yard line, some shit like that. Special teams, absolute dumpster fire and a disaster. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you you said a mouthful there. Should Crossman um, get fired? Does he deserve to be fired because of the special teams? At the end of the day, he is held accountable. He is a coach. He coaches special teams. They're not one of the worst teams in the league in special teams. They're the worst, and it's not close. Oh, man. McDermott does not strike me as a in-season, you know, firing kind of guy. So I guess, you know, my answer to that would be no. I was unaware of 
you know, these the special teams statistics, you know, for 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 the year as a whole. You know, I know what they did yesterday, and and I know that uh, that Ray May McLeod should not have even been back there after he fumbled the opening kickoff. Which, by the way, I mean, we're not even talking about a a, a big hit on the kickoff. He just got a very basic. Uh, tackle on the opening kickoff and put the ball on the ground. I, I did not want him back there um, on punts after that. So they have an issue there, and they're going to have to they're going to have to solve it across the board. And that's something that you know McDermott um, pays attention to. Man, I, I would expect the special teams to be a point of emphasis this coming week, and um, I think it's fixable. Well, the good news is, is that it can't get any worse. I mean, I, I try to say that to be funny, but I'm actually not being funny at all. Sure, Peterman and to a lesser extent, Josh Allen are the biggest reason why the Bills didn't win this game. But special teams had a lot to do with it as well. Just not good enough. Not even close. All right, so look, I'm not going to talk about the defense. I mean, what more is there to say? They played great yet again, and they're becoming one of the better defenses in the NFL. I think that's becoming kind of obvious. So let's skip the defense and go right to our weekly post-game awards. MVP, LVP, unsung hero, unsung zero. What do you got for MVP? Oh, my MVP, and it's it's pretty sad uh, to see this high level uh, being played at, at his age and and know that, uh, you know, that's nothing's likely to come of it this year because of how bad the offense is. But Kyle Williams was terrific yesterday. yep. yep. And, um, you know, you, there's, there's a handful of people that you could, that you could go with in that, uh, uh, on, on that defensive line, but I'll, I'll go with Kyle. Agreed. 100%. I mean, that was one of the best games of his career. Hughes, Milano, Alexander, a couple other guys on defense. They played really, really good games, but Kyle Williams was definitely the MVP for me. What about LVP? Can't be anyone else besides Nate Peterman, can it? Eh, it don't matter. You know, I mean... Peterman, Allen, take your pick. To Benjamin, take anyone you want on the offense. What about your unsung hero? Someone who played reasonably well that, you know, might not be getting any headlines or talk today. Um, I'm going to go. I can't uh, differentiate one from the other. So I, I'm just going to go with the uh, the tackles, the uh, offensive tackles. That's a ter- There are two terrific pass rushers. Uh, on that team, and they did not, you know, make as big of an impact as they probably could have. There was a play the, by Watt that was definitely frustrating, but you know they 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 acquitted themselves pretty well against uh, one of the best pass rushing tandems in the league. So I like that. I'm gonna go with Zay Jones. I thought he looked apart. I'm pretty good with yeah, that. I'm pretty yeah. good with how he played on Sunday. I think he's starting to make a little bit of progress in year two. Didn't early on, but it seems like he's starting to get a little bit better each week. So there still might be hope for him. What about on the flip side, your unsung zero? Oh man, well Philly Baroquez's streak comes to an end. He was he was okay. I don't I don't have any uh, I don't have anything for him this week. Um, uh, my un- unsung zero is probably uh, uh, Philip Gaines. I, I mean the you know. the pass the pass interference was just a killer, um, and quite frankly. You know, um, a lot of times that uh, that they did have success throwing the football, it was it was his way. And, um, 
you know, uh, I mean, he's not a he's not a real quality NFL cornerback. And it fucking pisses me off. All right. Because EJ Gaines didn't get shit in the free agent market. And we could have had him back for a, you know, and kept the whole secondary together and not had to look at it as as a hole that needs filling in the offseason. That that's a that was a terrible decision by Bean to to let Gaines walk and uh, uh, and and go with you know Vontae Davis and it just that that pisses me off more than than Philip Gaines being an unsung zero is just that position opposite uh, opposite Trey White in in, in general. I agree. I had Philip Gaines Fuck. written down too. <laughs> I had him written down too. He's the one real. <laughs> he's the weak link. Dead, dude. He, he's the real weak link on this defense. I'm actually stunned that Houston didn't attack him all game. He's definitely the lone weakness as far as I'm concerned in that secondary. Maybe not the lone one, but by far the biggest one. Did you watch any of that Patriots Chiefs game Sunday night? That was awesome. Yeah, uh, I, I watched uh, pretty much the entire second, uh, the entire second half. I had a, I had a FanDuel lineup uh, that had a little bit of a heartbeat uh, after that touchdown to uh, to Kareem Hunt to start the second half. Uh, obviously, it ended up in you know with the same result as most of my FanDuel lineups. Dude, I'm an I am like FanDuel's fucking dream <laughs> player all right i have never pulled money from it i just throw in like nine dollars like twice a day it's uh, it's almost like i replace smoking cigarettes with with FanDuel. i i am their dream player i lose every single week anyways <laughs> there's a yes, handful of games that, i think third that game was fun there's a handful of games during a regular season i think that really matter and this is definitely one of them this could end up meaning that these teams, and I do think they're going to play again, they're the two best teams in the AFC. Because New England won, they, they might get home field because of this. You know what I mean? So that AFC championship game very well could end up being in Foxborough instead of Arrowhead. So I think it was meaningful. If we were doing a Kansas City Chiefs-based podcast, I was taking notes in the first half. I would have been ready to talk about how, you know, the moment finally caught up to Mahomes and it just was too big for him. But man, that kid's fucking impressive. That second half was like, damn. It just came out smoking in the second half. I mean, he looked nervous in the first half, overthrowing plays, making bad decisions. But, man, he is so, so good. I still think Kansas City's the better team after last night. I do. Yeah, yeah, they probably are. Uh, um, uh, if, I'm, if I'm Doug Whaley, all right, I th- at the very top of my resume, it reads, I wanted to draft Patrick Mahomes in 2017. That's, I, I mean, because I believe that to be true. I do uh, and, too. And that is what I'm taking to absolutely every single job interview that I go on from here on out. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, Mahomes looks like the real deal. Yes, he has the weapons, but he certainly knows how to use them. And it was, it was fun to watch. I'll say this, though. I, I have to... Well, I can't say for sure that it was during the New England game when when he tweeted it. But, you know, Lewis Riddick of ESPN, is it Riddick or Riddick? I'm not sure. But, you know, he was a, a viable general manager candidate for a couple teams this offseason. I think he's a very well-respected television analyst and football guy in general. And he tweeted out uh, during the games yesterday the state of NFL defenses is just disgusting yeah, to him. I saw and, it. And, you know, man, it made me think 
maybe, just maybe, will be ahead of the curve when teams try to get the edge from a good defense as opposed to, you know, um, a lights-out offense. Maybe, just maybe, will be ahead of the curve when the NFL goes back to trying to win some games by stopping the other team, not just being the last team with the football, which is kind of what, you know, New England and Kansas City was last night. I agree. Let's talk about the Buffalo Sabres for a quick hot minute here. They're off to a 3-2 and two start after five games, which by Buffalo Sabres standards pretty much makes them Stanley Cup contenders. But seriously, 3-2 and two after five games, I thought they've played reasonably well. Pretty good start to the season. What's your thoughts? I, I do too, although I'll say this. I was more bothered by the performance against Colorado two games ago than I was happy about the uh, Arizona performance in the last game. Um, it was a nice response by the Sabres to the, uh, you know, the egg that they laid at home against Colorado. So I'll take it, you know, and I'll take the three and two record, but come on, man. Uh, That's the sort of shit you got to build off of. You just went, you know, two and one with a pretty convincing win against last year's Western conference, uh, you know, Stanley cup representative in the, in, in Vegas and you fucking lose. You got two days off. All right. So you're not, uh, You know, it's not like you're a tired team and you lose six to one in front of your fans against Colorado. That's just that's unacceptable to be the team that um, that they want to be. They've got to build on on wins, especially in winnable games. I was really, really disappointed in the uh, in the Colorado game. And I think Next week when we're taping, we'll have a little bit of a different uh, tone towards the Sabres because they've got a brutal week this week. And um, I don't I, I'd be thrilled with, you know, two points, three points from what, uh, you know, from this California swing that's coming. I agree. We'll definitely talk a little more in depth on the Buffalo Sabres next week. What are your thoughts right now in the MLB playoffs? I really didn't want to bring this up or talk about it, especially since the Yankees lost to the fucking Red Sox. But Sunday night's game between Boston and Houston, at least from what I heard and read, was a really good game. It was a nice bounce back for Boston. We got that, the NLCS. What are your thoughts right now? What's going on in the league championship series? Yo, man, I mean, that lineup's just, they've been doing it all year. And uh, that was a great, great answer uh, by them uh, last night, uh, Sunday night. You know, I mean, shit, man. You you're down one nothing at, at home uh, with Garrett Cole uh, going against Garrett Cole, and, and you're throwing out David Price. Um, you are not in a good position, and their bats found a way to even that series, and it's just an absolutely delightful uh, representation of baseball in that AL series. All right, whatever. That's enough. Don't want to talk about it. No Yankees, no baseball talk on this podcast. That's the Moran Analytics podcast philosophy. Whatever. This is a forced segment okay. right here because fuck that. I cannot. It's one thing for the Yankees to lose, but to get their asses whooped in New York 
by Boston has left such a bad taste in my mouth. I'm not going to lie to you. I have not watched one second of the ALCS or the NLCS. I don't know if I will. I know the feeling. Like, look, I, I know where you're coming from. You know, that's happened to me in years past when I when I jumped on the Jays bandwagon hard and then they lost and I would get a little discouraged. And I'm sure that's only multiplied because, you know, you you're you're a true Yankee fan as opposed to, you know, my bandwagon hopping with the Jays. Um, so I get it. But it's been good. It's it's been good. And, dude, you were fucking kidding yourself. All you Yankee fans were kidding yourself. Boston was worlds better than that team and that result, as random as uh, as five game series, the result of five game series uh, can be in in baseball. That result is exactly what it should have been: a much better Sox team taking down, uh, a, quite frankly, an overhyped Yankee team that um, that won a hundred games by just mashing against. Uh, against a bunch of shit. I didn't, I never thought they were good. I never thought they were good this year. I don't care how many games they won. Um, smoke and mirrors with that Yanks team. Stanton was going to choke. You, you could set your watch to it. And you guys, uh, I would not, ex- I would expect a little regression next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We're going to wind this down like we do every week with your final take, which we have named the puck drop. What do you got? What's your puck drop for this week? Well, like I said, man, my my real uh, passionate opinion was uh, about uh, the Bills and and whatnot. But um, kind of as a secondary thing with the puck drop uh, for this week anyways is, um, look, you can tell me all about its, its popularity. You could tell me about its, you know, studies that it is not as damaging to the human brain, body, or whatever as football or even boxing was, and I don't give a fuck, all right? I find the MMA and all of its satellites and arms and extensions of it, I don't even know if there's like leagues or divisions or One's a martial art and one's something else. I, 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 because I just don't care. Look, I've had sports like this in the past that would eventually draw me in. It happened with soccer. It will not happen with this barbaric, ridiculous, okay, Roman gladiator one step away from fucking uh, uh, lopping off a head with a sword that this sport is. And the, the thing that happened the other night, this, this, Notorious MMA, or that's his Twitter handle, Conor McGregor, is a fucking jerk-off. All right, no surprise there that jerk-off owner Jerry Jones brought in jerk-off celebrity uh, Conor McGregor uh, to talk to the Cowboys or whatever before yesterday's game. His entourage calling that one dude uh, a Muslim rat, all right, and, 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 you know, I mean, obviously the the guy that went out into the crowd and all that gets all the flack for that. But there's scumbags on both sides of, of what happened there. And they're really pretty much just scumbags throughout a scumbag sport. Fuck that MMA thing. I need it to go away at some point because I think it's just filth. I think it's vile. You know what, Pucks? I don't think your take's going to be very popular 
Uh, but I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. I feel the exact same way. Apologies to my buddy, Matt Perino, Buffalo Bills reporter, who, of course, came from the MMA world. I just don't like it either. It is barbaric. I'm a boxing guy. I want boxing to be relevant again. There's a science to it. I just don't like the glorified violence that MMA is. And I know somebody who is very pro-MMA will tell you about the technical aspects of it and all that stuff. But I agree, man. It's just too fucking violent, and I don't like it at all. So on that note, I'm going to end it with my shout-out. This week, I'm going to give it to the Bills Beat Podcast. That's ours, Joe B. and Matt Fairborn. They have a podcast that's out. No, they taped it Sunday night after the game. I'm telling you, man, if you want an education about the Buffalo Bills offense, go listen to that podcast. Joe and Matt are on fire. I thought it was a must listen to. If you're a fan out there listening to a podcast, and I know it's rare for somebody to go tell you to listen to another podcast, especially when you talk about the same types of things, but I don't care, man. I'm telling you right now, go listen to that podcast, specifically that episode, absolute education and straight fire talk when it comes to the Buffalo Bills and their offense. All right, Tone, got anyone that you want to give a shout out to? No. Dynamite drop in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Big thanks to my boy, Damone Harris, for doing the podcast. You know, I get to talk to Damone all the time, but I wanted him on this show so you guys could hear from him, find out what it was like for him to suit up and dress in his first NFL game. It's come a long way. I'm thrilled for him, and I'm thrilled for all of his family and his friends, the UV community, etc. Bishop Time in High School, everyone who's been a part of his journey. Great story, and I feel like bigger and better things are to come for him still, so really happy for him. It was fun to do that. Also, thanks to my man, Tone Pucks, doing our weekly pad with Pucks. Such a hot topic conversation whenever you talk about the Buffalo Bills nowadays. Not going away anytime soon. Lots of stuff going on with that offense. None of it's good. Anyway, thanks, Tone, for good conversation. Speaking of, coming up on Friday's show, I'm scheduled to have former Buffalo News columnist and current radio host Bucky Gleason on the show. That should be a pretty interesting conversation. Really looking forward to that. If you haven't done so already, please go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it these days. Subscribe to this show. It's quick. It's easy. It's free. Just hit that subscribe button. Like I always say, bam, new episodes. They automatically get sent right to your phone or to your laptop. Play them and keep them. Play them and delete them after so they don't take up all the memory on your phone. Whatever it is you want to do. If you don't have iTunes, you can also catch us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are heard. You can also follow me on Twitter at Pabaran Tweets. Even got a Analytics podcast Facebook page if you want to go and like that as well. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. I'll be back for another show on Friday. Have a good, safe rest of the week. Peace out.